This is Work of the Beat. It is Friday, January 8th, 2021. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Jam-packed show today. Mike will join me in a minute as we uh, talk to the voice of the Sixers, Mark Zumoff, who will uh, look at what is going on with the franchise as we get into kind of, uh, you know, obviously there's news this morning. They are stuck quarantining in uh, Brooklyn after a COVID incident uh, with Seth Curry, reportedly. So we'll talk to him. Uh, Then Mike and I will give our picks, and we'll break down a couple other situations uh, going forward here. Um, We're not going to mention it, and originally we had taped this, and you'll probably hear this at the back end. We were originally going to talk. I had put stuff at the end to talk about what happened on Wednesday at the Capitol and, you know, it was going to be a little therapeutic for me and Mike so we can say whatever we want to say. And the more I thought of it, I think what we need is relief. And relief sometimes comes from not talking about what has gone on. Um, and I'm sure there's people who are saying, you know, stick to sports. And that's right. That's what we're going to do. And there's some people who say, you know, you should talk about because you guys have mentioned other stuff and everything. And you know, that there's something to be said about that um, and a possibility of that. But it, it's just my call at this point. Everybody probably needs a break to step away. And so that's why if you hear the clip, we recorded it. And then it was uh, one of those things I decided it wasn't worth it. So no mention of what happened on Wednesday, which was obviously awful uh, beyond this point. Fact beyond this point, you will hear Mark Zumoff. He will join us right now. Here on Working the Beat. And joining us now to talk about the Sixers' hot start. Again, notwithstanding what happened last night, uh, a little bit of the situation they are uh, experiencing right now up in Brooklyn uh, and you know where this team is going. Also, maybe throw a memory in of Prism, which is one of my favorite old cable networks. It's the voice of the Sixers and the pride of George Washington High School. It's Mark Zumoff. Mark, how are you? Gentlemen, nothing is giving me more pleasure than to be speaking with you guys this morning. You went to the same high school as my two kids. Good for you. Uh, Probably a different demo back then, I would imagine. But, yeah, absolutely. Unless unless your kids are in their 60s. Oh, you never know. Mark, what neighborhood did you grow up in? Where are you from? So I'm from Somerton. Um, I I was actually born in Mayfair but moved to Somerton when I was like six were you born and i actually were you born near kevin or i no i'm in i'm in um i'm in st tim's for lack of a better geographic we always went by the parish names well mark wouldn't know the parish right so but that's okay what part of mayfair mark uh so mayfair was princeton avenue uh kind of near near the old boulevard pools if anybody remembers that that. way back in the day (laughs) yes my friend grew up about a block or two from there yeah okay (laughs) Uh, right, so I used to be able to see that from my house, and then we moved to the northeast, and, um, you know, the intersection of Bustleton and Berea is what I tell everybody. Yeah, the greater yeah. northeast. The greater <laughs> northeast, that's right. That's right. That's right. And let me tell you something. It was, this was like 1961. When we moved up there, nothing was up there. There was nothing greater, greater about it. It was form, yeah. right? Mark, when I I lived at Tar- Tarsdale and, and um, close to Ron, like Hartel, and apparently when my parents bought the house in 61, that was the end. 
Like, that was it. You know, the, 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 the block run, the, there wasn't anything past there except the prison. Um, and now we're not even Northeast Philly anymore, I don't think. I, I don't know how that works when they designate it. But, yeah, you, you're right. You moved up there when it was nothing. Nothing. Mark, thanks for joining us, I should point out. Um, let me let me ask you, I guess the news of the morning is the reports are Seth Curry is the one who tested positive last night after the or in Brooklyn. Team has to quarantine in Brooklyn. Uh, and, you know, we were talking before we came on, you have a game tomorrow. So you're, you're kind of flying blind on this one, aren't you, as far as what's going on? True. And just to be clear, we do not travel with the team. We are not allowed near the players. There are strict protocols. For example, when we did the Washington game the other night, we have an area. We have three areas where we can go quite literally. We can go to our uh, – there's literally like a little uh, plexiglass pen, I'll call it. It's kind of like being a gold judge, only you're up in the stands. And Al and I have each each have our own little cubes. Then you can go to an area to eat, a designated media area. And then you can go to the men's room. And that's it. Those are the only three places you can go. We can't get wow. close to the players. We're not allowed on the floor. So, um, you know, we're, I, I don't think we're, we're certainly not going to be part of that. But we're I, like everybody else right now, I'm going to wait and see. Mark, can you talk about what it's like to, this, to call play-by-play? Yeah, we watched the national feed last night. Marv Albert's doing it in his house. And I know you're doing road games from a studio which you've done, like, I think for soccer before, correct? That's right. Um, what is it like, I mean, to, not, to be in an empty building, to be in a studio on, when they're on the road? When they were in Orlando, I think you did it from the hockey press box, if I'm not mistaken. It, it, it seems like that would be a radical change, and it's kind of tough sometimes, I guess, to get all the enthusiasm when you're trying to do it off of television, correct? To a point, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, it, before this, when I did soccer, that's why, he's a, had, that's why he's a pro, Kevin. Yes. <laughs> at least I had at least I had crowd in my in my ears. So, as an announcer, that kind of gets you more into it, so to speak. And then, of course, at home, you're sitting among the crowd, which really gets you into the game. But uh, you know, there are a couple of things at play. One, I'm a kid, as we just discussed, who grew up in Northeast Philly who started following the Sixers the first year they moved from Syracuse back in 63. Wow. And always wanted to be the voice of the Sixers, and now I'm doing it. So I don't ever forget that any day when I wake up. So my enthusiasm, A, is sort of built in, and B, you try to be professional. So it's my job to generate a certain amount of excitement. It's really no different than uh, a, an actor, performer on a movie set, you are there on a movie set, you, yet you are expected to be in character, express all the emotions that are needed in that particular scene. So while it put on per se, uh, ultimately, I need to be professional, be excited, and be into the game, which, quite frankly, I'm already into anyway. Mike? Yeah. Uh, but first of all, Mark, I want to ask you, how, is you, how are you doing with your back surgery? Are you okay? Or? Yeah, thanks for asking. I'm, I'm on my way to physical therapy even as we speak. So uh, I'm doing good. Modern medicine is unbelievable that I could be back in the same day. And, you know, the first week is a little bit, but once you get past that, um, it's really not that bad. And, and I was allowed to go back to work after two weeks. That's why I missed the first two preseasons. Do you sit down when you're calling the game or are you standing up? Like, what's easier for your back? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So I do sit, but when I need to stand up, if I'm getting stiff or something like that, I'm able to stand because there's really nobody behind me. Okay. So let's ask a question about the Sixers. They're off to this good start. They really haven't played anybody. There's been, you know, you could look. They could be nine and zero right now, really, without stretching it too far. But there's still questions when you listen to people about Simmons. You know, is he ever going to be what we what we would like him to be? You know, the Harden thing is always out there. Um, do you think that the Sixers are going to go a long way with this, or because of Maury's reputation, if they hit, uh, I don't know. If there's a point a month from now or somewhere where they could do something, like how do you see this? Are they going to take a year and see how this goes and not do anything this year, do you think? I don't know if it's necessarily the mindset of Daryl Morey to take the year, Okay. no matter what happens. I think that it's like anything else, guys, in our business. Harold Katz once said to me, in business, it's a PNL. In sports, it's a WNL. So, if you're winning, chances are you you keep things as they are. The only time I remember, at least in Sixer history, when the phrase "if it ain't broke, break it" applied was in 2001. Was in 2001 right. when the Sixers were 41 and 17, yeah. and they traded for Dikem- and they traded for Dikembe Mutombo. And that was because of an injury, though, right? It was Ratliff. It was Theo. Right, so Theo Ratliff Ratliff was injured. You're right. Right. I think he had a wrist injury at the time. And um, uh, Tony Kukoc, I think, was also involved in that deal. But Mm -hmm. I remember the All-Star game that year when Mutombo was just dominant defensively, grabbed every single rebound, and Larry Brown said, you know what, if I'm going to match up with Shaquille O'Neal in an NBA Finals, which is what eventually happened, I need a guy like Mutombo. And I think largely that's why they went out and they got him. Mark Mark Zumoff joins us. Mark, what is the? I mean, you had a front row seat for the whole Brett Brown era, and right now, you know, obviously the contacts limited with Doc Rivers in a sense of, you know, you're not in practice as much. You don't have the the interaction on the personal level. But what have you seen as the main difference between the way this team operated with Doc, uh, with Brett and what it operates now with Doc? I think the big difference is something that is something that that Brett Brown can't help, which is the fact that Doc Rivers played 13 years in the NBA, so he comes in with that on his resume. He comes in with a title as a head coach, which uh, Brett Brown did not have, and he comes in with, I think, now close to 950 wins, which is 10th all-time in NBA history. So when you come in with that sort of resume and that sort of gravitas, I think it gets the attention of everybody as soon as he walks into the room. Also, you might argue that after seven years, the players needed to hear a different voice. I think for the job that he did, Brett did a great job. Mm-hmm. And who knows where we would be if Kawhi Leonard's shot fell out. Yeah. And Sixers, I, in fact, it's a funny story. Uh, in that game seven, very good friend of mine, who uh, I won't reveal, uh, is a scribe in Toronto. He's a sports media person. And he tells me to this day that if Kawhi Leonard's shot had not gone in and that game would have gone to overtime, the Sixers would have won it because he thought the Raptors were gassed at that point and had nothing left. And, and that's all, that's one of the great unsolved mysteries in Philadelphia sports. What happens after that? I mean, how do the Sixers, you know, do the Sixers win in overtime? Do the Sixers match up well against Milwaukee in the next round? 
we'll never know, but it's amazing to think of how things change towards last year. You know, what happens with Jimmy Butler and all that if right. if all that takes place. Um, right. When you look at Joel Embiid this year, does he see, does he seem more prepared for the grind of a of a seventy two game season as opposed to eighty two that we've seen in the past physically? I think first of all, I think mentally he is in a different place. Whether or not it's because he is a father, whether or not it's because he has just come of age to the point where he realizes that he needs to devote a certain amount of himself you'll pardon the expression to the process in right. order for the Sixers to be better, in order for him to be better. Uh, he has a chef who prepares his meals. He has a physical therapist, someone who is with him all the time to deal with whatever issues crop up. And I think mentally he is he is really committed to doing what it is that he needs to do to be on the floor, to be good at the end of the game, meaning he's not gassed, and to play as many games as possible. Uh, Joel, in an 82-game season, I think the most he's played is 61 or 62. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sixers play 72 games this year. If he can play 60 in a 72-game season, I would, quite frankly, consider that a success, considering his past history. So the, the long answer to your short question is yes. I do think that um, he's different this year mentally and physically. And that's good news for the Sixers and a problem, I think, for the rest of the league. Mike? Yeah, Mark, we, we all know Tobias Harris is not, you know, a, a $35 million a year player. That's not his fault. It is what it is. Uh, do you think with this coach that he can be that legitimate third wheel um, on the team? Because it seems like he's gotten off to a lot better start than we saw him before. But I, I'm just talking long term. Can he be the guy he kind of was in L.A.? I think you've already seen stretches of that. Last week he was named the Eastern Conference Player right, of the Week right. where he had great numbers and the team was 3-0. and um, And you say third wheel, I get it behind Embiid and Simmons, a couple of all-stars, but really the second option as it relates to scoring. Yeah. And uh, there, there are a number of things at play. Number one, having played already under Doc Rivers in L.A. where he had some very good games and, in fact, uh, one of the best stretches of his career. So you have that built in. And I think he has – I mean, even my wife the other day, who really has a passing knowledge and uh, uh, just uh, observing the other day, said, you know what, Tobias Harris seems to be making quicker decisions with the boy. And I looked at her and said, honey, you're right. He is. (laughs) It so, took you all this uh, time to educate her about basketball. Uh, you know oh, what? That—that's in a, in a in a way that's what I love about her. Uh, <laughs> the fact, and and you know what? On Eagles Sundays, when I I have uh, the first right to to watch the birds, which of course I I do every Sunday. You know, she'll watch her programs or she'll do something else. It's I I love her just the same, but. Listen, it sounds like a, my house. Not a big sports fan. Hey. And you know what? I'm all right. I'm all right with that. So I, am I. I. Listen, that's fine. As long as I can put on the birds or watch the Sixers or, you know, watch whatever it is that I want to watch, uh, it's all good. But anyway, the point is with with uh, Tobias Harris that um, I, I think he will thrive under Doc Rivers, and an underrated part of his game is the commitment that he's made on the defensive end 
which uh, he deserves a lot of credit for because he was never really known as a, uh, a defense-first guy, and, and his defense has been really solid. All right, Mark, you brought up the Eagles, so I'm going to ask you. You sat through years of tanking, okay, whether it was named it or not with the process and all that. So what's it like in the zoom-off living room on Sunday night watching the Eagles put Nate Sudfeld in? Oh, gee. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 have to, I, I, I have to say that um, I was surprised because even though statistically from a passing standpoint, Hertz wasn't having an especially good game, you do want to see them win. Yeah. I understand the, lo- I understand the logic of wanting a better draft pick. Um, um, you know, there's that. And late. You know, do you want to protect your players knowing that the game really doesn't mean anything? The, the thing that strikes me is uh, Joe Judge, who I think is a Philly guy, if I'm not mistaken, the Lan- Giants head coach. Lane South Catholic, yep. There you go. Um, you know, ranting and raving about the Eagles. Dude, you're 6'10". Yeah. You yeah. know, re- relax. The Eagles have nothing to do with whether or not you're a success. You've got to take care of your own business. So... The, the one thing, guys, I do keep in mind is is this. We were all sort of thrown for a loop when Doug Peterson put Sudfeld in the game. But trust me, when July comes and they convene training camp and August comes and we have preseason games and summer rolls around and it's opening day at the link or wherever, nobody, is gonna, nobody is going to be thinking about that Washington that's game. That's a good point. Um all your years of covering the Sixers, I mean, the Iverson years have to stay. I mean, the Iverson years are a whole different chapter of your book, I'm sure. But is there a moment that has special meaning for you that maybe flies under the radar? Like everybody remembers the Milwaukee series and the Toronto series with Allen, and you know, you 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 were around for a long time even before that. I mean, is there a Sixer moment that kind of stands out? that maybe the normal person wouldn't think about? You know, I'd have to really lay down and close my eyes and think about that. Um, And I'm thinking specifically about the Iverson years. I mean, uh, is your question specifically about the Iverson years or about my time covering the team? In your time covering the team. Well, you know, I, I remember just as the halftime guy going to practice at St. Joe's. And now, as you guys know, as media members, players are shielded. There are layers of people you need to go through to get access. And then Mm -hmm. even then the access is limited. I remember after practice at St. Joe's, before they redid Hagen Arena, going into the locker room and sitting with my producer and Charles Barkley and Rick Mahorn talking about whatever, whether it was the league or life, or just having a great time as four men talking about whatever, which is something that, quite frankly, uh, it's highly unlikely that that would happen today. Um, I, I remember the John Lucas years, which, quite frankly, were unbelievable because Luke, God bless him, he was, a, he was there to save souls. Yeah. And we had people like Lloyd Daniels on the team who otherwise would not have had a shot in the NBA had it not been for Luke, right. Richard Dumas, uh, Trevor Ruffin, you know these were these were guys who Luke wanted to try to save, and 
and help to become NBA players. And unfortunately for them, it didn't work out. But obviously, it made for very interesting viewing in my first few years as the play-by-play guy. And then my most memorable game, I would say, was 1999. It was the lockout short season. It was 50 games, and the Sixers were a sixth seed. They played Orlando, and they were a third seed. The Sixers were in the playoffs for the first time in eight years. Right. And they actually went down in Orlando, and they split. They came back, and it was the first ever game at what was then, I think, the first Union Center. It was the first Sixers playoff game in eight years. And I, I just remember... Typically, uh, at 20 minutes before the clock, the players will come out and warm up. Fans got on their feet, and they did not leave their feet through warm-ups. And what I thought was through most of the game, Iverson went out. He had a, an NBA record 10 steals. I think Matt Geiger nearly had a fight with the late Chuck Daly, who was then the head coach of the Orlando Magic. I mean, it was a crazy scene. And the Sixers ended up winning the game, and they actually upset the Magic in that series and, and went on and won it. So... Uh, I'm just really fortunate to have a lot in my scrapbook, but those are just a few things that uh, come to the fore as we speak. Hey, Mark, this is probably an unfair thing to pose to you, but since we got you, do you think the Sixers, with the leadership they have, with what they have on the floor, can be a legitimate contender to, you know, either win the East or either this year or let's say in the next two or three years? Do you think at least here in Philadelphia we will have that to look forward to? Uh, the, and not saying they're going to win a championship or not saying, you know, but, but they're going to be legitimately one of the four or five or six teams that you think could do it if everything fell into place. I think, Mike, quite frankly, we all sort of feel that way already. Uh-huh. You're, you, ha- you have two all-stars in Embiid and Simmons. You have a guy who could be an all-star in the right situation should his team have the right in Tobias Harris. You have, when everybody's healthy, guys who could spread the floor with, with Curry and You have a young bench that I think Shake Milt is clearly proven. Tyrese Maxey could become a really special player. He wants He is able to finish than 10 feet of those floaters. He has shown range territory. So when you consider they have a solid lineup, I would think that this is one of the better defensive teams in the NBA, although they really haven't shown it the last weeks. They have a, they have a coach who could be a Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, absolutely, the team could be a contender. But as we all know in sports, a lot has to come together, whether it's health, or whether it's chemistry or anything else. But, mm-hmm. again, the long, <clears throat> the long answer to your short question is absolutely. I think that's why when they brought Daryl Morey in, he stood pat with the current core because they do want to see if this team can make a real run. And that's what the challenge is going to be going forward, whether they whether Daryl decides he's going to – Mix it up the core if they underachieve. You know, I mean, it's strange. It feels like they have this long window, but given what Embiid's health has been, given you don't know what's going to happen with Simmons going forward, it could be a short window with this group if 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 things don't break. Kevin, away. Kevin, they're all short windows. Well, that's true. We we, th- we think they're long windows. Yeah, they're they're never they're v- very rarely like the Warriors had a five year window, which in today's world 
is almost on. And LeBron, wherever he goes, there's a window. But other than that, man, there's not. I mean, the Patriots had a window. But, you know, windows are there and then they're gone. Right. Mark, when you look at the East right now, I mean, this is as deep as the East has been in, in a generation, isn't it? As far as when you look at Boston and Milwaukee and Toronto and... And then Toronto's not off to a great start, but I mean Miami, Miami. I mean, there, there's there's a contender. The Nets, yeah, it's it's six or seven deep, isn't it? Right, and even throw the Orlando Magic in there, yeah, and because mm-hmm. they're 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 off to a good start, just for giggles, or you know, uh, and Indiana's Indiana not ho- Indiana's not yeah, horrible, and right? yeah, they're yeah, and and they can make some noise and, and cause some problems for teams, absolutely. So, um, you know, what are the differences to me? Um, there are several factors. One, the schedule is compressed, so in a similar situation to the bubble, who is going to be mentally the toughest team to deal with everything that's going on, the COVID protocols and whatever? And then who defends the best? This is the way I've always looked at every sport. In, mm-hmm. in baseball, it's pitching and defense. Uh, in, in football, I, I believe good de- defenses. I remember the the Baltimore Ravens yep. winning a Super Bowl with Trent, with Trent Silver as their quarterback, yeah. and, but but their defense was just unbelievable. So to me, and that's why I was so excited about the Sixers through those first however many games. What are we seven to two now? So we'll say about right. the first six seven games because they were the top rated defensive team in the league. I think the Washington game game they got away from that. But if they can they can recapture that, then that's that's going to spell trouble, I think, for a lot of other teams. I promised on the final question here. I promised all my friends I'd ask this because we remember, and I'm going to make I'm going to f- date myself here. We remember seeing you in that felt it looked like a broom closet at Prism back at the Spectrum when you were the halftime host and, and doing the updates between movies and all that. What is there for? Pr- People who are, you know, you've been with NBC Sports Philadelphia now 24 years. But take me back to those prism days. It was you and Larry Rosen and Ken Adelberger and Jim Jim Barniak Barniak and Jim Gray. Just talk about how special that was in a sense, you know, before like mega cable operations got going. They were they were the first, man. Yeah, they were. We didn't know what cable was. Yep. In literally in unless parts of Northeast. Unless, unless you lived on the west side of Broad Street in South Philly, right? <laughs> then you got the games. Exactly. Remember, for a long time, I was the la- those yeah, are the only people the who saw home flyers and Sixers. I was the last person in Philadelphia to get cable, and I moved from where I was in Mayfair up to here, and it took me two more years. <laughs> so I never saw I had to go to a bar to watch Prism. Yeah. So Right. So for, for the youngins out there, Prism was an acronym for Philadelphia Regional In-Home Sports and Movies. Ed Snyder, when he began to sell the Spectrum, came up with the idea of televising home games, which was absolutely brilliant. We had Flyers, Sixers, Phillies, Big Five college basketball, which was huge back yeah. then. Yeah. And then and then we had first-run movies similar to what an HBO would have. So it became immensely popular. And there was a time in the early 80s when there was something called the Canada Cup in hockey, and Ed Snyder, of course, owned the Flyers, he couldn't get scores for Canada Cup, so he decided to invent his own sports show, and that's where I came in. <laughs> so in June, of, in June of 82, I was hired, literally, and I was in a little broom closet at the Spectrum. You're absolutely right. There was a tiny makeshift studio, and a movie would end, say, at, I don't know, 
940 at night, and then without any fanfare or even being in your local TV guide, there you would see me, and I'd be in this little room, and sometimes I'd be even running my own teleprompter, and I would be giving sports news, highlights, that sort of thing. And for me, guys, I have to tell you, it was really my first legit TV job, and what it gave me the opportunity to do was do small market TV, if you will, but I was doing it for Prism, which was in Philly, which was the fourth or fifth largest market in the United States. So I had interns teach me how to edit, and I quickly learned what uh, television was all about. And then I, 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 I was lucky at Jim Barniak and uh, Sam Schroeder, may he rest in peace, hired me to uh, do Big Five games. And Gene Hart got ill, and I had a chance to fill in for him, and Mike Emmerich as well, doing Flyers games. And eventually that helped me to cut my teeth. And now I'm the kid in Northeast Philly who said, you know what? One day I, I would love to be able to be the Sixers announcer. And the fact that I've done it now, it's my 27th year. This whole thing's been an out-of-body experience. Hey, Mark, Don't wake do you, me up, whatever you do. Mark, what do you think Prism cost back then? <laughs> did, did it, was it like, was it like $2, $2 a month or... Or uh, whatever the hell they were charging. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't know because we got it for free. That's right. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Mark Zumoff, who I must say is one of the <laughs> top guys in Philadelphia to, uh, to just, you know, I, I remember when I filled in for Tom Moore on the Sixers, you always find Zoo and you get a kind word and a, and a handshake and a smile and some wisdom. And uh, Mark, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, good luck with the rest of the season. Stay safe. Uh, and we'll, we hope we can talk to you soon. Good luck with your therapy, you, man. Thanks, guys. Uh, you guys flatter me. Keep on doing it, and I appreciate being on with you this morning. That's thanks. Uh, thank you very much. Mark Zumoff joining us, and we'll be back on Work on the Beat right after this. for joining us that was fun well he's a fun guy that's right i as i said this to you i think on our last show when you said that mark was going to be on we've had jimmy jackson on yep i think we've had merle on we've had um, merle on i'm proud i'm gonna leave a couple guys we out had t-mac on we've had um, I mean, these guys you forget how long like i forget that mark i'll be 63 in april and mark's probably got me by Two or three or four years, I guess, the way he was talking there. Yep. Uh, it's amazing. But, and I'm sure other cities are the same way. I, I'm sure if I went to Chicago or Boston or whatever, you, you have people that have just, but in Philadelphia, it just seems like that's kind of the norm that people do what they do. And if they're good at it, they do it for a long, long time and they become part of us, mm -hmm. you know, through that experience. Um, and he, and he's really good at it. Um, you know, and the guy that does the radio is, is Tom, Mc, Tom McGinnis it. is great. And yeah. Tom, Tom must be missing the crowd, man, because he, he, you talk about a guy that feeds off the crowd. Oh my God. Yeah. 
Yeah, so and I haven't listened because I, I, I'm not a radio listener unless I'm out in my car. So I'm usually watching it on TV. But I mean, um, yeah, it's just it's we're we're lucky in this town. We oh, we really, are really, really are. We've had some bad. Yeah, you know, you're going to get a couple guys that maybe you don't like for whatever the reason. But man, I mean, you know, Harry Callis, Richie Ashburn, Gene Hart, Merle. Um, you know, um, uh, Zoom. I mean, I mean. It, it's unbelievable. It just really is. When and you think about like the youngest one of them, okay, and I don't mean youngest in age. I'm talking like in tenure. Is Fransky and Fransky's been here now 14 years. Yeah, I that mean, doesn't seem possible. I mean, yeah, I mean, Richie's been Richie died in 97, 97 I believe. Yep. And Harry, what was 2010? 2009. Nine. So. I even have a hard time thinking that Richie's been gone for 24 years now. Yeah. Um, it's just. And, ha- and Harry's 12, up, and right. growing up, it was Richie. Right. You know, that that was your guy, man. I mean. He, and, 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 you he, know, we talk about we talk about the Phillies announcers a lot because of what Harry and Richie meant. And, you know, even Andy Musser. You know, I think Andy Musser sure. flies under the radar a lot. Andy Musser was pretty damn good. That well, he wasn't sh- Richie Ashburn. Uh, yeah, he Harry. lived in the shadow of Harry. But, you know, yeah. if you listen to the call of of, of Andy's call on um, on Schmidt's home run in Montreal, it, you know, the old he buried it. Oh, one. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and if you go back, like, older than me a little bit, Bill Campbell and by some. Right. In the early, they call it yeah, Bunning's perfect well, game. And that's what I was going to. I was going to mention this. Like, we always think about the Phillies, and Merrill has always been there with the Eagles. Zoo, Bill Campbell, Jim Barniak, Andy Musser was there for a while. I mean, the Sixers have had really good play-by-play men for a long, long time. How about Neil Funk? Neil Funk, Remember? yeah. He was, until he went to the Bulls and won six I believe, titles. I believe, still, I believe Steve Fredericks did it for a while um, on radio. Uh, yeah, I mean... Now, the Sixers have had a, a, a litany of great announcers as well. And even, like, if you go back, you know, to, to the – to the, and I'm dating myself, like I said, the Saturday – who was the guy that did the Eagles? The, the guy that eventually took his own, Charlie um, – Oh, Charlie uh, Scott. No, 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 no. Charlie – Who who, the, who Merrill replaced. No, no, no. But who – it wasn't Scott, though. His name wasn't Scott. It was Charlie, and he was really good, and he, took, and he unfortunately had, you know, some issues. He took his own life. Um, but even Al Meltzer back in the 70s. Right. I mean, Al doing a big five game. Charlie Swift. Charlie Swift. And he was really good. I mean, Charlie was in, you know, he left this way too soon. But Al Meltzer was an institution in this yeah. town. Yeah. You know, and, and that was 40 years ago. I get it. I mean, you know, but um, I love turning into a big five game and listening to Al. But you know, you know how hard it is? Well, really you, you know how hard it is to find? Well, obviously this year. I mean. But big five games aren't on television anymore. Nobody cares this. Yeah. Kevin, it is so hard to follow college sports right now. Well, I'm not saying this year. I'm saying before oh, this. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, yeah. Because big big five know, Big five it. games, like, you always got every Villanova game because of the way Villanova's contract with FS1 was. You always got every Villanova home game. Right. And yeah. Villanova was big enough to draw ESPN yeah. to Temple or to St. Joe's or whatever. Well, um, But LaSalle Penn... Or well, so somebody Penn? asked me when I when I was doing things with the Daily News Live and all that kind of stuff, like, and they got infuriated that that Comcast, I still call it Comcast, right, uh, wouldn't pick up Big Five games, 
And I said to somebody very nice, I said, do you understand they have to pay for that? Yeah. You know, it's not like LaSalle's inviting you into LaSalle or, or whatever. And I said, the ratings just aren't that good to, now maybe they could have figured out a way I know, but their take always was from the higher ups is college basketball doesn't sell. And, and to a large degree, they're right. Because if a St. Joe game is on, the people from St. Joe might be watching it, but most people probably aren't. You might, and I might, but um, but it really, you would think in a town like Philadelphia that there'd be a way to get a lot of those games on, you know, and I don't know all the contract situations like Ivy Leagues and, and this and that, and like, you know, if it's a Friday night, the Sixers are probably playing, but I don't know. I I, th- I think that's something that when we, when I was growing up, Almost every big five game was on. Yeah. Either Channel 17, I think, used to do it. Um, Channel 6 did it for a bit. Yeah. But, I mean, I I know, you know, I I could turn on the TV on a, you know, a Wednesday night. No, here's LaSalle playing Western Kentucky. Yep. Or whatever. And it was, it was, but it was a different time. It was a, you know, nowadays, and I just don't think if you're not a major player, and Villanova obviously is a major player, even though they're not in a, major conference per se. I'm not trying to knock the Big East. You know, it's not the Southeast or the Big Ten, but they've won two national championships. So they're as big as anybody. Yeah. Um, but the other four or five schools, if you include Drexel, there's just not an interest there for a lot of that, even Temple. I, I mean, we know Temple. You know, I mean, I'm a Temple person. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, it's just the interest level just now, maybe if it was 20 years ago and Cheney was coaching them, you know, and, and they were what they were then. Um but it just isn't and, – and the season's been so um, – wow, what's the right word? Bastardized. Like, pausing. I mean, Villanova stopped twice, right? Yeah. My, Temple stopped twice, I think, right? Yeah. I don't even know, like, what the records of the teams are or who they're playing. I just know that Villanova's still, like, fourth in the country. Yeah. Or something like that. But what does that mean? Well, I, I, and you're right. But, I mean, this is – you're right. This year is so out of whack. I don't know. Just join it. Yeah. Uh, are you ready? I mean, do you think? Do you think when the NCAA tournament comes about, and and again, I don't even know what that's going to be like. Right. You know, you could have teams advancing on forfeits. Right. As you saw in the in the high school football playoffs, a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think people that's something will get to emulate because there wasn't one last year, and there will be. But I mean, do, do you know anybody that plays on Gonzaga? No. And they have a couple of pro prospects on Gonzaga. Do you, do you know anybody? I saw Baylor last year in Myrtle Beach. I couldn't tell you well, anybody. But on let's Baylor also team. be honest, Mike. Most of America doesn't focus on college basketball until yeah, no, you uh, on, you know, on a grand scheme of co- on the grand picture of college basketball until college football is done, and then really right. until the NFL is done. But in a normal year, though, Kevin, in a normal year, I think in a normal year it would be that way. But right, you still get like a little bit glimmer. of interest. You get a little bit of the interest like in Duke or Carolina or there's something that keeps you a little bit interested mm-hmm. until you get to February. This year, like, I mean, you know, I mean, like I was really good, you know, and Jack McCaffrey's, uh, you know, brother coaches the team, obviously. And um, like Gonzaga was on the other night. And mm-hmm. I'm just saying, it. Don't, I don't, and maybe it's because Duke and Carolina and Kentucky aren't the three best teams in the country. Yeah. You know, maybe that has something to do with it. Um, there, There's kind of these other schools up there, but. It's just weird, man. I, I'm telling you, just judging from how I've reacted to college football this year, I don't know if I'm going to get into the NCAA tournament. I, and the fun, the other thing about the NCAA tournament, from what I'm reading, it might not be the normal format that we're used to. Like, it might not be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
that first weekend, which right. is great, and even the second weekend, they might be playing games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Yeah. Because of the yeah, and that's gonna be weird. Yeah. That really is. But you know what? Hey, look, there's nothing we can do about it. Um, they're gonna crown a champion. Um, they're gonna crown a champion Monday night in football. And I think most people would argue that the two of the best three teams are or maybe the best two are playing. So, you know. Are you ready to pick some NFL playoff games? Yeah, why not? All right, here we go. Just point me where you wanna go. Take me to the action. Take me to the track. Take me to a party if the betting in the back. I've been working all my life. Can't afford to wait. Let me call my wife so I can tell her. It's Super Wild Card Weekend, and this weekend it is uh, sponsored. This weekend's picks are sponsored by FoxBet. Download the FoxBet app now, and if you're in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, you can gamble and place wagers on this weekend's bets with special wagers, including player prop bets. Uh, download the FoxBet app now. Also, play you can play FoxBet Super Six which will be on the Rams-Seahawks game. Answer questions, and you can win a mystery prize. Well, guest shot on this show could be the mystery prize. That could be. Um, some of the prop bets this week could be really interesting yeah. because you have guys like Derek, like Henry. You have uh, the quarterback on Baltimore, or Baltimore, which I'm sure there's some really interesting props on him. Oh, yeah. Brady's probably got some interesting props. Uh, yeah. I mean, if that's the way you want to go, and yep. and sometimes that's more fun. You just maybe make a lot of little bets. Yep. All right. So let's start with the one o'clock game on Saturday. It's Indianapolis at Buffalo. That uh, could be that could be one of the best games. Yeah. Stephon Diggs is listed as questionable coming in, and the other wide receiver, the the guy they got from the Cowboys. Who's their possession receiver? Cole Beasley. I love him. Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley. He's also questionable. Yep. Um, so that would lead me to say I'm staying away. It's uh, uh, the Bills are favored by six and a half. We should point out, right? And and that look that sounds about look. Buffalo has been the best team in the NFL the second half of the season, and Baltimore's probably been the, the second best team the last five weeks. But uh, Buffalo's records really against the spread. They've been really good, um, but those two injuries laying six and a half because I think Indianapolis is fairly good. Now, how Indianapolis is going to react to playing in the colder weather, uh, I I don't know. I can't bet against Buffalo, but I don't know if I would lay the six and a half. Because if you show up and all of a sudden Diggs and Beasley aren't playing, yeah, I mean, Diggs has been the best wide receiver in the league this year, right? Yeah. He's, so, he's led the know. league in receptions. I think he'll probably play. Yeah, he uh, probably will. Uh, Buffalo is the best against the spread this year, yeah, eleven and five. Um, Indianapolis is eight and eight. Um, the one issue I think Indianapolis is going to have is can Phil Rivers in a on a cold day in Buffalo really can he spread the ball enough? Can he find enough weapons downfield to kind of play? Uh, the Bills play you know, shootouts every week now. Mm-hmm. And can Indianapolis score with them? And I just don't think they can. So I think I would take Buffalo and I would, uh, yeah, I mean, I, like I, yeah, I haven't played very many teasers, but that would be a game where I might look, but see, I think Indianapolis has a shot to win the game. 
And that always scares And I hate it when I say a road, but in, in these wild card games in the past, some years we've seen where like all four underdogs covered, if not won a couple games outright. Eagle fans should pay attention to this game because if the Colts lose and the quarterback doesn't play very well, that might be, you know, more impetus for, for, Carson for the Wentz. Colts to yep. look at Carson Wentz. I don't know this. I, I mean, I, I have no idea what they're thinking, if Phillip's coming back next year. if if, But I would say that if Phillip goes out and plays pretty well and they pull an upset, that would be less reason maybe to go out and get a $34 million quarterback. I don't know. Uh, the over-under, by the way, is 51 and a half. Uh, I, I would lean towards the over. over. But yeah. again, with all those guys not playing... I mean, or, but or Buffalo's been averaging like 30, probably like in the mid-30s themselves. Yeah. You know, but if it's a if it's a cold, windy day and, and you know, you're having trouble passing the football. But I, I think the over, I don't know, like you said, the Bills just score, man. By the way, 10 of 16, 10 of 16 Buffalo games went over. So, if you care. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, if it's you're not lo- surprising. If you're looking at trends. All right. Second game. This is an interesting line. Seattle's at home. Way to three and a half to the Rams. Rams are going to get Jared Goff back. Uh, Cooper Cup. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a bad thumb, but he's got a bad thumb. Cooper Cup is going to play. He's coming off the COVID list. I love him. Um, I love him. You know, and, and by the way, the over under on that game is forty two. So it's Rus- a- Russell Wilson is five and zero as a starter in playoff home playoff games. Yeah, but. Russell Wilson in the second half of the season. I'm just throwing the number out. I, I understand. So it's the do you take the long term trend or do you take the short term trend? Short term trend tells you that Russell Wilson I, hasn't been that good the second half of the year. I could not bet the Rams in good conscience. I just can't bet it. If Jared Goff was 100 percent healthy, I, I would I would say hey yeah maybe not. Be, what if he can't? What if he goes out in the first two series and can't throw? Yeah, you know I mean do, do you want to bet that? Uh, well, I think if you're betting the Rams, I think you're betting on the Rams' defense to to yeah, likely still, carry the, the line's day. only three and a half. Yeah, if your team goes out, and it probably is going to be a fairly lower scoring game. If it's going to be under forty one, I don't know, but you know, I could see like a twenty to thirteen game, or you know, something along those lines. I I, I just can't bet against Russell Wilson to lose the game. Now, if you're going to bet the Rams and say I think they're going to stay within a field goal, hey. Yeah, maybe they will. May, I mean, the Rams did beat him in the regular season in the one game. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, five and zero at home in the playoffs. I'm not prepared to go against that. It's what That's just me. I, ultimately, I, I agree with you because ultimately, when you look down at it, even if Goff was healthy, you would look at this as okay. What quarterback do I trust more in this spot, Jared Goff or Russell Wilson? Yeah, it would be no Russell question. Wilson. So right. yeah, I mean the. the the LA defense makes it interesting though because they they have 11 sacks against Wilson this year in the two games. And they they were able to get a lot of pressure on him and Wilson got hit a lot during the regular season and as he got hit more obviously his turnovers increase. So, but see I think it's the other way. I think it's what can the Rams do against Seattle's defense which at times this year hasn't I think they played better lately actually but at times the Seattle defense wasn't all that great. And the funny thing is, we haven't heard about. Remember Metcalf? Yeah. What happened to that guy? Like we weren't, we couldn't stop talking about him the first eight weeks of the season. Well, Through the Eagle game. 
Right. I'm just saying. I think it's more if the Rams can get into the 20s, I think they have a pretty good chance to win. I just don't know if they can get into the 20s. You know, uh, but we'll, 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 I guess we'll, you know, and then they are going to play in an environment that could be a little colder. Yeah. You know, than they're used to. I don't know how much that factors in or not. If it, if it, if it was a Seattle 12th man kind of game, uh, you would say the line would be a lot higher if it was a uh, normal Seattle 12th like, man game. Two points. two points. Like five. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, higher lines, Bucks on the road in Washington laying seven and a half over under 44. Yeah. I mean, look, you got, I mean, like, again, you got a quarterback that I don't know. You know, I would love to sit here and say, hey, the last two times, I mean, Ron Rivera beat um, the Bucks or beat a Bruce Arians coach team. Yeah. In 2014, I think it was. Yeah, the Cardinals. They made the playoffs as a 7-9 and team. They beat the Cardinals. Look, I, I, I can't see Tom Brady losing this game. That, that That's just me. Um, if Alex Smith were 100%, I would give Washington a, a fighting chance because I really think Alex Smith is that, and their defense is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But the Bucks' defense isn't bad either. I, I, mean, I mean, how many points do you see the Redskins scoring? Ten. I mean, they they couldn't score. They scored seven twenty against the Eagles, right? You know, and and the Eagles. I, I mean, and I one just, of them, and three of them were gift wrap when Subfeld kicked the ball away and put him in field goal range. Yeah, I don't know if I would want to lay. Like, I was looking at games this week, like to tease. You know, I haven't done a lot of that this year, but this is a <laughs> game where I might. You do it every tease. week. <laughs> I'm, Kevin, I'm, I'm, I I'm kidding. You a teaser probably in a month and a half. Okay. Um, but this is a game I don't. Th- but they're on the road. I hate teasing road games. But do you see the Bucks losing? No. Okay. And I don't either. And I respect Ron Rivera. And I think they'll play a good game. I don't think like the Bucks are going to go there and win forty-five to ten or something along that. But that's a game I would seriously think about moving down to a win. But you know, I mean, look, you know, and I know there's six games this weekend. There's going to be an upset or two. Oh, yeah. There just is. So it's just a matter of figuring out where your upset is. And maybe the Rams are the upset. Uh, maybe the Rams are only three and a half point underdog. I mean, I don't really consider that an upset, but, <coughs> you well, know. Best game of the weekend coming up. Uh, <coughs> I'll take Tampa Bay, by the way. I'll lay the seven and a half. Um, best game of the weekend coming up, I think. Baltimore at Tennessee. Baltimore is a three point road favorite. At Tennessee. Yeah, yeah and then Tennessee won the, the game this year, and they won the playoff game last year. Yeah. Hey, look, it's it's all about, look, the, the, Tennessee's got a, the best running back in the league, okay? And they got a quarterback who's really good. You know, he doesn't get a lot of notice. He's really good. Their defense ain't too good. Baltimore has been the second best team in the league the last month, okay? Uh, Jackson's play. It, it's all, are, are they going to choke on the ghosts of losing the last two two years? I, I don't know. Uh, this game could go. I mean, you know, at first glance, I I I I like Baltimore, but again, you know, what if Baltimore falls behind? You know, what if it's fourteen yeah. to fourteen to three, or four or fourteen to seven at halftime, or in the second? You know, I don't know. I mean, because that allows Tennessee to give the ball to to their guy, to Derek Emery, yeah, um, which sets up play action passing and all that. I just think Baltimore is slightly the better team. And will they use the last two years as a positive, or will the last two years be a burden 
and we've seen it in sports work both ways. So, you know, I I, I would go, and I love the Titans. I, I, I like the Titans. I liked them last year. I, I think I picked them to win. I had them to beat the Pats, and I had them to, to I had them against the Ravens with the points. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of think Baltimore's going to figure it out. Um, but that is the best game of the weekend. That is the best game of the weekend. Uh, you see, yeah. un- until are you surprised that's a one o'clock game? Like, why didn't it make that a like the the late game or something? Uh, they're not two appealing markets. Okay, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. Um. And for it's an ESPN game, by the way. If you're going to be trying to find these games, uh, good luck. It's like the NCAA tournament. It, it, it's games. in different channels, and yeah, you're going to be. Fox has the Rams Seattle game. I know. NBC has Bucks and um, uh, Washington, and Indy and Buffalo is on CBS. Baltimore Tennessee on Sundays on CBS. Or, I'm sorry, it's on ESPN. And so. Uh, this, the next game, this is the largest line of the weekend, which I'm a little surprised by. New Orleans is a 10-point favorite over Chicago, uh, over under 47. Well, Chicago is a weird team. Um, You know, they've looked better with Trubisky the last month, but they did get beat pretty good by Green Bay. Now, Yeah, David Montgomery that- David Montgomery has been really the, the linchpin for their for the resurgence offensively. David Montgomery as a running back has been great. The Saints the last three years have lost in weird ways in the playoffs. Uh, Again, this is another game. Like I said, I don't think the Saints are going to lose, but do I want to lay 10? You know, I, I, it just seems like a lot of points, but, you know, I would probably stay away from it. But, um, you know, and you're not going to have a Saints crowd in there, I don't think, or very many people if they have people. Um, it's just tough to see me, but you know, let's say you're the saints mm-hmm. and God forbid in the middle at halftime, the bears are up 13, 10. Do you start thinking about like, it's kind of like the Ravens, you know, do you start thinking about, Oh my God, like, are, are, is this how Drew Brees' career might end or right? You know, whatever I, I, I you know, I, I don't. Well, and it's funny. You mentioned that I actually, you talk about upset upsets and there's going to be an upset this weekend. I think that's the game I see that's a possible upset. And, and here's the reason. One, these two teams met in November, and Chicago lost by three. Yeah, but Taysom, in Taysom overtime. was overtime. No, 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 no. It was Breeze. It was Breeze in Chicago. was the quarterback. It okay. was in Chicago. Right. But it, it was a, uh, a three-point overtime game yeah. when Foles was quarterbacking for uh, the, the Bears. Yeah. Okay? There, there's times this year where New Orleans – with or without Breeze, hasn't been New I Orleans. Think I think it's a lot because Michael Thomas has been out. I mean, he caught 145 balls last year. You know, he was Diggs last year. Yeah. Um, and he, and I think he's going to play, but I'm not sure, you know, what you bring to the – I just find it hard to believe that Matt Nagy is going to outcoach um, – Sean uh, Payton? Yeah. Sean's a good coach. Sean takes a lot of flack because he's an asshole, okay? And he can come across that way. And he can be a, he can be that guy that you don't want to see his face because you're sick of seeing his face. But don't tell me that guy can't coach. I mean, he's went like 9-1 the last yeah. two years with Bridgewater and Tate. No, I, I, I agree with that in a sense, okay? But I'll give you an example on that line of, you know, he, he comes across. He's become football's version of Jim Beheim. 
Like that's fine. Yeah, but, but he but can he, coach. He can but coach. He won a Super Bowl. He he. Look, they lost at home last year to Minnesota in the playoffs, and that wasn't good because it was like a revenge game. Mm-hmm. And the other two were flukes. You know, I mean, the long pass, and he, you know, that's not his fault. And then uh, the pass interference. And, and the yeah, the pass interference that didn't get called. You know, but it happens. I mean, that's you know, it's, he did win a Super Bowl 10, 11 years ago. Um, I, I, if the Bears won that game, it, it wouldn't. Nothing shocks me. But I mean, I, I'd probably be more surprised if the Redskins won. But or the I, football I just, team, yes. I don't know if I'd lay to ten. Don't know if I'd lay to ten. I just, just seems like a lot of points. By the way, if you're interested, Bears money line is three sixty plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, look, throw twenty bucks on it if you feel that good about can't, it. Can't hurt. Final well, game it hurts if they if they don't win. Well, yeah, but if it's twenty, yeah. But then the problem is if they lose by three, you're sitting there saying, "Why didn't I just bet the 10? Yeah, that's true. Final game, NBC on Sunday night. Steelers at home hosting the hosting so the Browns. Does NBC, who who would be the announcer? For well, them? on that one, it's Collinsworth and Michaels. Okay, on which the game, on the which, NBC. Which which game's Tony Romo getting? Tony Romo is doing the Bears uh, sinking. Okay, so on Sunday we get the two we get the two lead crews for the the second and third games. And yeah, and you have ESPN's crew for the for the first game. Okay, okay, that's not bad. And you um and on tomorrow I think and I'm a geek on this stuff, so I I apologize. You have Tariko and Dungy doing the Bucks yeah. Washington yeah, game. Yeah, Tariko would I look Dunsey's look Dunsey's not gonna say anything bad about him. And, and, and Buck and guy. Buck and Aikman doing the Rams Seattle game. And then uh Who's doing the Rams Seattle game? Buck and Aikman. and Aikman. Oh Buck and Aikman. Buck and Aikman. I like them. I mean yeah. I, I think Aikman's really good. And uh Colts and Bills is uh Ian Eagle, who I love and uh Yeah, Ian's good. And Charles Davis. Well, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Charles Davis isn't horrible. I think Oh yes get, he is. We get two he, yes, does he do stuff sometimes where you kind of go, really? Come on. But he's a nice guy, mm-hmm. and and do I think he's that good that he should be doing that game? No, probably not. I'm sure they – like, I would have liked to see – and, again, I don't know which channels which guys are with, but, like, I like Moose. You know, I, I think Moose is pretty good. Um, But he's probably not with that network. No, he's not with that. I lose track of who's with what network. Um, But, hey, yeah, it, 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 it is. Um. So the steel the Steelers, I'm gonna put it this way: if the Steelers lose this game, break them up. Then their season was a fraud. Yep. Because if you're gonna tell me that the Browns are in for the first time, their coach isn't coaching, some of their players might not be playing, including their left tackle Joel Bitno, who's going to the, who would have gone to the Pro Bowl. And, and you just lost to this team last week when you didn't play some of your guys, and you still almost kind of won the game. No. The Steelers, if if and again we talk about like a teasing games, like whatever. If I I'll just play the steel. If the Steelers lose this game, something's wrong, because then all the things I'm hearing about the Steelers and and this and that and the other, and I, I, I respect their organization tremendously, but I keep hearing this. The Steelers haven't been good in a few years. No. Okay, and then all of a sudden they're 11 and 0 this year, and everybody's whatever, and then they kind of go, eh, and then they they play well enough to to come back against the Colts, and God forbid if they hadn't done that, you know, they, they would have been in trouble, I think, of... Uh, well, they, they, no, they but... They probably would have had a play last week. Well, they would have won the division because the Browns lost to the Jets the week before. That's correct. Yeah, you're right. 
But I'm just saying, they, they were that close to losing four games in a row. You know, against a good team, but at home they were losing 24-7. Yeah. And I'm not sure about the way they play football. It's very unsteeler-like. They don't you know, run the ball. They throw the ball 40 times. Yeah. Now, maybe this week they'll, they'll maybe because Connor's been hurt. I get all that. Um, but if you can't beat the Browns this week, and they've eliminated the Browns the last two times the Browns have been in the playoffs, if you can't beat the Browns this week, then like you say, Kevin, you know, maybe it's time for Ben to hit the hit whatever. And, and for they them don't to have hit, a guy. Well, yeah, like, Mason Rudolph's not going to be that guy. Now, the, no, the one so thing. The Steelers could be in, in a little bit of deep doo-doo unless they go get Carson Wentz. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's like that there's going to be enough quarterback options. Look, I mean, after last night, there's word that Deshaun Watson's going to be available. Well, um, if you were Deshaun Watson, would you want to stay there? No. Uh, there's but, two franchises. Think about this. And there's they're different situations. But there's two franchises that signed a quarterback to this mega, mega deal that you have to do. And both teams are, are now, like, in disarray. And one was because Bill O'Brien's an idiot, okay? But the owner down there seems like he's a little bit of an idiot, too, if you're reading the stories. And I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson should have say over who gets the No, but Rodgers. if you tell him he's going to have influence over the decision-making. Yeah, well, yeah, I, 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 uh, hey, look. But, but, I mean, we're getting off on a tangent here. My, my argument would be if you're the Steelers and you're looking around and Matt Ryan may be out there, um, you know, yeah, he's he's a thirty-some-year-old guy. I, too. I under, At some point, you have to have. But if a it, if you could, guy, but I believe that if you're Pittsburgh and you're looking at this draft class, and if you're drafting in the twenties, and there's a possibility you're not going to get one, you're not going to well, get. You could one. get you could get Mac uh, Mac Jones. Yeah, but if but but again, that could be like drafting Jalen Hurts. I mean, I don't know that Mac Jones is going to be a quarterback at the next level. Yeah, he might be. But, you know, he might not be. I don't think there's anybody saying he's a sure shot. Um, so No, but from yeah. where you're picking, if you... What I, what Kevin, I guess I what Mike... What what I, I, let, me, let me clarify that. You can get a veteran to fill the gap and draft your number one... Your draft your quarterback who may be your quarterback in two years. That's fine. I, I get that. But what all I'm saying is, with quarterbacks, is how many times have we seen this? Yeah. Where a team takes a quarterback... And it could be the number one guy or the two guy, and it doesn't turn out to be your quarterback. If you draft Mariota and he doesn't work out, or you draft Jameis Winston, hey, at least everybody in the world said these guys were one and two. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Same with Goff and Wentz. But when you start drafting guys, how many guys? I, I go back. If I went back in the last ten or fifteen years in the NFL, where a guy got drafted like tenth, and everybody said, "Oh, he could be good," and two years later, you're like, "What happened to that guy?" There's a reason why guys go that where they go. And I'm not saying I like Jones. I, I think, but but again, do I know he can play at the next level mm-hmm. to the degree you need to play? No, maybe he can. Yeah, and and I guess the Steelers are going to have to find out um, at some point because Ben ain't going to play much longer. No, I don't think. Um, now nah, Ben is Ben in the second half of the year has looked sh- like a shot fighter. I mean, he, well, because he's throwing the ball forty times a yeah. game, you can't. Yeah, and, and maybe that's where maybe that's where Pittsburgh just look. Pittsburgh shelf life. It, it, they're going to get through this week, I think. Uh, they should. I'll tell you what. If Stefanski was there, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, I still think though. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Kevin. But and, and Stefanski, I guess, might be the coach of the year. I, I I don't know. There's probably some other guys. I'm whatever. But I just don't trust the Browns. Oh, no, that's that's the other point. I, mean, I, I, you know, I don't trust Mayfield, and I think he's come along. I think he's a lot better than he was. 
but the Browns have those weeks where it just doesn't work for Two whatever reason, you know, and then they become the Browns again. Now, if they go in there with Chubb and the other guy and can run the ball, which I don't know if they can, but hey, that's going to be difficult against Pittsburgh's defense. Pittsburgh's defense is really be, good but, against the you run, know, especially like you said, without their tackle playing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it's. I, I mean, it, it makes it's amazing when you when you look at Ben, and then you look at Rodgers, who's about his age, right? So I think uh, a couple years younger. Yeah, but not much. I mean, you know, whatever. What he's doing. Then you look at Brady, who's. Four years older. Yeah, but it's different styles, Mike. I understand that. I I get it. But I'm just saying it's it's it's. And I'm not knocking Ben at all. But but you know he's been injured. He's. I just think he's he's got a lot more wear on his tire. Yeah, he does. You know, and part and, of um, and part of it was Roethlisberger's style because he was sure. bigger. He, he was more prone to go break out of the pocket in his early years, and I think you're seeing the tread is and you know who caused that. Who that? Who a lot of people used to compare him to was Wentz. Yeah, you know, and I always wondered, you know, if, if Wentz was in the league for ten or twelve years, would he be kind of the same way? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, let's get, let's get to ten or twelve years and worry about it then. But uh, uh, hey, I want to ask you a question. Are we done with the picks? No, I got one more. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Alabama is an eight-point favorite over Ohio State. Yeah. Um, the over/under on that game, by the way, seventy-four and a half. Yeah. Well, why shouldn't it be? Yeah. Ohio State scored forty-nine, and what did Bama score? Thirty-one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That game wasn't as you're right. Uh, I, I I think this is. But Notre, Dame, Notre Dame's defense is probably better than what Ohio State's going to throw out there. Yeah, but Ohio State's offense is, is a lot better than if, if Justin Dame. Fields. Can play like he played. No, if he if he plays like he did against Clemson, they got a shot. Um, I don't know what his rib situation's like. I, I Bama's defense isn't all that good, but the interesting thing to me is, and this is where the Eagles picking six, and we can get into. It. I think it's hilarious that the so you got this guy that wins the Heisman Trophy, mm-hmm. okay, and, and he's and he's not that big of a guy. Devontae he, Smith, he's tremendous, right? The guy that's coming that might come back on Monday night. Is better than him. Yeah. Number 17, Jalen, whatever his last name is. He was the guy, uh, up until he got hurt, the guy that won the Heisman Trophy wasn't even listed as a Heisman Trophy. You couldn't get odds on him. Think about Alabama, how they get these guys. Are you kidding me? You know, so if the Eagles didn't get, let, let's say at number six, the Eagles were thinking of taking the Heisman Trophy guy if he drops that far. Devontae they might Smith, have been better yes. off at nine. Getting the other guy. <laughs> it's just it, it's Alabama is a is a, a an abundance of riches, and so is Ohio State. I'm not look. Their running backs were good. I just like again. I I mean, am I going to bet against Bama? And I, and I took Ohio State the year that they beat them in the playoffs. Jalen Waddle's the player you were mentioning. Jalen Waddle is supposedly, but Jalen Waddle had 14 touchdowns and averaged 40 yards a touchdown catch. I mean, think about that. Now he might have been playing against Vanderbilt. I, you know, I don't. I'm, I'm not going to sit there and say, but whatever. Um, I, I just can't go against. I mean, I might take the eight. Uh, you know, it, it, but I, I just couldn't go against Bama to lose the game. Uh, at this point, it's just hard for me. Nick Saban was on a mission this year, mm-hmm. and if they're not making the playoffs last year, I, I just and and Jason Day. He's done a fantastic job. They only play. I just think 
Ohio State, not that they're glad to be there, but I think Clemson was their mission. And so I don't know now how they're going to react to now having to play an even better team than Clemson. I, I just don't, I don't, you know, I, I, and I don't see it being, but I could see this being a Bama two touchdown win. Yeah, I could too. You know, something like that. But I, I, I don't like the number because like usually happens in Vegas. I think the guys got it, you know, they made a number that, that makes you think. Um, but man, Bama's good. They, they, they are. I mean, and I know their center's out, and that was, you know, supposedly a big loss. Um, you know, and and uh, and and again, it comes down to Justin Fields. You know, if he can play reasonably close to what he played like against Clemson, they got a shot. You know, why wouldn't they have a shot? Um, uh, but I don't know. He he could be really. Yeah, you know, he could be hurting a lot worse than we're even aware of. By the way, this just in on a different front. It's kind of not unexpected. Villanova now has four more games postponed. Yeah, they, I'm telling you. Kevin, this is going to be – we're going to be sitting on Selection Sunday, and you're going to be looking around the country saying, does anybody have like a – because teams are going to get left out of the tournament. And I'm not saying it's going to happen to Villanova. I don't mean that. But this is not going away. I heard an interesting thing. I think it was – um. Uh, Mitch Williams on on Angelo this morning, or no, it was Al Morgani on Angelo this morning, who said that the athletes should get the vaccines first. Now he was talking about the NBA and the and the and NFL and stuff like that. And his reasoning was, for if you're talking about, it's not really a lot of vaccines you're talking about in the overall scheme of life. But how many millions of people are like tuning in to watch these games this weekend? Yeah, and and, and that we should try to preserve that as best we can. And I'm not like, I'm not totally against that. Now, if I was a 75 year old guy who was going to get a vaccine this week, you know, I mean, obviously that guy's more important than the, than the 20 year old kid. And, and if you get into the college athletic part of it, 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 it's a different animal, but you know, what kind of season has Villanova had? They haven't played. They haven't played since December 23rd. Right. Postponed games against the Paul Marquette, Xavier and UConn. Uh, and isn't Temple kind of going through the same thing, Kevin, yeah. right now? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean... Third I guess COVID my, pause of the season look, for Nova, so... Look, and I understand if I'm a kid on Villanova's team or I'm a fan of Villanova, I want them to play. I want games. I, if I if, if I was, um, you know, a player on the team, of course I want to play. I'm a 20-year-old kid. Uh, but at some point, you just wonder, like, Why? You, you know, and, and people laugh at the Ivy League because of what they did. And I'm thinking, like, you know, and I understand there's an NCAA tournament at stake. There's money at stake, which is always the reason things get done. But, man, it's just so – and what happens if Villanova goes out and plays two weeks from now and a kid injures his knee because he hasn't played in a month? Is somebody going to apologize to that kid? Now, I'm not even saying the kid would – you know, the kid's t- – he knows what he's in. You know, he wants to play. I just have no interest in this. I really don't. It's 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 just, you know, and even in the NBA, you know, you have situations where, you know, this guy's sitting for a week. That guy, you know, he can't even keep up with it. No, it's it's hard. And and I just hope that they all stay safe and they get through it and, you know, that kind of thing. But, man, and, and don't forget, too, Villanova spent a couple weeks up at Mohegan Sun where they were quarantined. And Yeah, and they went. You know, I think the one thing I would, I don't want to say I want to criticize the program, but I mean, 
I think that trip to Austin, I will be interested to find out if any of this is tied into that trip to Austin they took. When was that? What was the date? I don't remember it off the top I'm of my head. I'm just wondering if that was too far ago that it would have. I mean, because I don't know. I, I, but we but had talked about it at the Kevin, time. Let me about, ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, was there money involved in the trip to Austin? Well, of course. Okay. Well, then you just answered your question. So when a university is telling, and I'm not blaming Villanova. Villanova is certainly not alone in the universe. It is. But when you are saying that, well, then, you know, you get, this probably was a season where they should have done kind of what some of the football conferences did, only play conference games. December 6th, by the way, was the trip. That's a month, well, that's a month ago. That's a month ago. So the quarantine, now I don't know if that, but the quarantine is like 14 days, I think, or the yeah. incubation period. Um, but what I'm saying is, you know, wouldn't it have been better this year if the Big East would have just said, hey, we're just going to play conference games? Yeah. And that doesn't mean games wouldn't have got canceled. You know, if something happens at DePaul and you're slated to play DePaul, well, you ain't playing DePaul. But it's all about cash. And sadly, the NCAA, if the NCAA tournament wasn't the, the million, billion dollar maker that it was, people might sit there and go, you know what? We won't have an NCAA tournament this year because we want to keep people safe. We don't want to. No, they're going to be flying people into Indianapolis. They're going to be flying families into Indianapolis. They're going to be doing whatever they're going to do in the name of – and I get it. Fans want to watch games. I I, I get it. You know, right. But do we ever – when we think back on last year, other than the players that might have been involved or won a championship or something like that, were, did our lives end because the NCAA tournament didn't get played? No. By the way, you were asking about Temple. Temple is right. in a pause. They got, they're scheduled to return on Monday against SMU. But this is their second pause of the year, isn't it? Right. They've only played three games. Right. So so what's the point? I mean, that's I, I feel for Aaron McKee. I feel, but how how can you have a season when this is the, the this is the season? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, when, I, when we're in early January, you know, almost in double figures in January, and you haven't gone to ten games yet, it's. Ten games. Well, you just told me they played three. Three, yeah. They haven't even gotten to five. I mean, it's a and and and, and I and I'm not blaming the kids. I'm not blaming Temple. I'm not blaming anybody. No. It, it, it's the way it is, but it's all based on money. Yeah. And and I'm not saying. Look, my life is based on money to a certain degree. Your life is. Everybody needs money. Um. But man, it's just it, it's I. I'm a college. I covered colleges for 30 years or whatever right. I did. And, you know, when we were at the final four and regional finals, it was the greatest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, you know, and we were part of it. I, when I can't watch college football and I can't watch college basketball, uh, and I watched the games last week. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, but it just, that it's, it's just, it's sad right. that, that we can't get into it. And, and maybe we will get into it by the time March rolls around, you know? Um, but man, it's just, it's hard. It's hard. Um, all right. So don't that- go yet. I want to ask you something. Go. Because when we talked Monday or Tuesday or whenever we did, uh, I think we did it Monday, but whatever this whole Doug Peterson thing. Yeah. Okay. Why doesn't somebody come out and have the balls to come out and say it wasn't Doug? 
because they're all looking for so hard. They're all looking for for human shields. I mean, that's. But what I say here's my problem, Mm -hmm. and I understand Doug has to do what he has to do because he has a job and he want to keep. Howie Roseman is the biggest, and Jeff Lurie, in this instance, I don't mean overall. In this instance, they're the biggest. What's the right word I'm looking for? Cowards. Uh, maybe that's a bad word. Come out and say on Monday morning, hey, it was an organiza- organizational decision. Well, in, fa- in fairness, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. In fairness to Howie, he kind of said that. Like, Don't kind of say it. Don't He said it was an organizational failure. You had failure. the microphone. He did say it was an organizational failure. No, 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 no. No, no, no. That, that organizational failure that they won four games this year. Yeah. I'm saying is you had the microphone on Monday. So rather than let Doug twist in the wind, looking like an idiot for how he handled that, and nobody has a problem with what they did. It's how they did it. Okay? Mm-hmm. And the fact that they could have been up 21-17. Oh, you're talking, you're talking about pass. Sunday night. Yeah. Okay. But Monday morning, how he had the microphone. All he had to do was say, guys, look, what happened yesterday, it happened. It was an organizational decision. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, t- t- uh, it, it wasn't Doug's decision. Now, of course, Doug comes out and says, it was my decision. because that's a- That makes them look, right now around the league, they look, not because they tank the game. Right. Lots of teams tank games. But it's the way they lie about it. And everybody knows they're lying about it. Mm-hmm. And Nate Sudfeld can come in and handle, handle. No, he can't. He stinks. It's not Nate Sudfeld. That that just bothers me going forward. That this is who we're entrusting the franchise to, is who Howie takes a little bit of a hit. Yeah, we fair, but but Howie's still there. Howie's yeah. still making. I have every reason to believe that somehow, some way, they will screw this up going forward. That's just my bit. I I don't think you can miss on the number six pick. But then again, I don't think you can miss on the number nine pick. But they felt the need to go up three picks. That's fine. Just come out and tell people. Put Sudfeld in the game at halftime. And I feel stupid as a person who watches this, knowing that as soon as they took Wentz off the active list, that was going to happen. Yeah. But I never thought it was. I I never in my wildest dreams did I think that was. I I kind of expected. I expected that once they put. Went down. I did. But by the time, let me ask you this though, Kevin. When they got to the fourth quarter and it's a I didn't think it, I game, didn't think it would do it then. No. That's what I'm saying. I thought it would happen at halftime. And, and and if they had done it at halftime, I had no problem with it. No problem with it. Just say, hey, we're playing Sudfeld for a half. But here we go. But like everything else that uh, on the, in this season, they screwed up. They Your favorite up. line is the bad optics thing. You've said this with the Sixers. You've said this with the – and it's the truth. It's it's when you have a bad – and all you have to do is come out and say, hey, we, we it was an organizational decision, and, you know, if you didn't like it, you didn't like it. That, that's we're moving true. forward. We're doing but, what's best for us. And we're going ahead, and and I'd li- I could live with that. Yeah, I could too. But I just can't live with this – Doug looking like he's stupid, um, and you can say a lot of things about Doug. I, I I just hate putting him in that position where he's got to get up in front of a, a, a on a podium and lie. Right. And you know he's lying. I know he's lying. M- Mike from Maniunk knows he's lying, and, and yet 
you know, whatever. It's just, it, it didn't have to end that way. And it, it leaves mm. an even worse taste in my mouth about everything yeah. that went down. But we got next week. We got anybody good or that's actually what I was going to do. Uh, we're, we don't have anybody lined up for next week. I'm hoping to get somebody lined up on Tuesday for the Flyers since they will open on Wednesday. Wow. Um, with Pittsburgh, right? With Pittsburgh, the 530 game. right? 530 game. I like 530 games. Yeah. So that is, uh, that's our show. We will have somebody next week uh, to talk Flyers and kind of the start of their season. We'll bring somebody in and uh, get a preview on what's going to happen. Hey, we'll talk about quick, the Kevin, NFL have playoffs. Have you anything on, like, is training camp, is baseball right now expecting to open training there was camp? A rep- there was a report that spring training would start on time in February, but I don't think that's, I think that's a little optimistic, so. And, because th- th- I'm just wondering, like, where all this free agency stuff is going to go, because we're kind of deep I think we're the- starting to see a little movement. A little movement? A little okay. Movement. So, okay, hey, look. Uh, it's, have, a good, um, have a good weekend. Go, go Sixers. Yeah, well, let's let's hope they can go home at this point. So, uh, oh God, I forgot about that. Oh my God, yeah, you're you're. Uh, oh man, uh, our thanks to Mark Zuma for joining us. Another uh, northeast, another Philly northeast guy. Philly guy, that? and uh, maybe we'll get a northeast Philly guy in here in some form next week. So, thank you, Michael. They're all over the place. Pal. That's right. Our thanks to Mark Zuma for joining us. Our thanks to you for joining us. Let's let's stay safe this weekend. Have a good one. This has been Work on the Beat. Well, you win.